Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest PCC Multiverse, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, State of Pro Wrestling, and more right there on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Plus, go ahead and, of course, speaking of subscribing, go ahead and check out Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond a Witchlight with Wizards and Wine, and all the great things that Melinda does as well. And of course, the things that we do at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and popculturecosmos on Facebook, where we post the latest news and trends in pop culture right there for you on Facebook. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the dog handler of all dog handlers today, at least before we got on the air. She was fighting with them to try and get them to go ahead and cooperate. But she doesn't realize that they're her biggest audience and most appreciative audience indeed. It is an awesome individual that she has got to go ahead and tell you a lot of great things that are going on in her life when it comes to, of course, what's going on with Vampires and Vitae and, of course, Wild Beyond Witchlight and also everything that she's doing with all the projects she's got upcoming as well. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. And Melinda. I caught one. You caught one indeed. The dog handler you are. So all I say to you then is what I say to Chris every time we go ahead at the last half of the show on Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Woof, woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Looks like you are in the doghouse. Oh, man, I belong. (laughs) It's all I've ever wanted. Yes. (laughs) Sounds like they've been giving you a little bit of trouble today. Oh, yeah, well, that's okay. That's all right. They're cute. And Olaf keeps my feet warm. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough right? indeed. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure everybody out there knows we've got a lot to cover on today's show. We are in probably the biggest period of the year for video game releases. Started in basically August and trended into a larger September, trended into an even larger October. We've got two heavy duty releases coming this week, being released by the time you hear this or see this video. We're going to be talking about Super Mario Brothers Wonder and what it's going to do in the final stages for the original Nintendo Switch and also as well Spider-Man 2. Can it recapture the same formula that made Spider-Man on the PlayStation 5 so successful? We'll be talking about that. Plus also as well, the box office has a new contender, but how will Killers of the Flower Moon stand up against taylor swift we'll be talking about that phil spencer the head of xbox now basking in the glow of the now completed activision acquisition 
that he had made some recent comments on the official xbox podcast this past week so we'll talk about his comments on call of duty and if that's the smartest way to go for xbox plus what about holiday spirit for halloween well if you're a member of sag after right now during the sag strike because things have really gone into a worse direction after negotiations crashed hard you now we can't even celebrate halloween in a fun really truly fun way we'll talk about that on the show as well but first my friend it is the box office this weekend i know i still keep tempting you to go ahead and grab robbie get him his friendship bracelet and to get out there because it's the second weekend run for taylor swift after a hundred million dollar first weekend deposit at the right here the u.s box office also a new contender on the way here with killers of the flower moon from martin scorsese featuring leonardo dicaprio robert de niro but i want to ask you first taylor swift that movie has generated so much buzz across the landscape one of the actually the second largest october opening ever has it really gotten your spirit going? I know my my daughters saw it over the weekend, and they truly enjoy it and thought it was special. Are you getting that little itch maybe to go ahead and check it out? Well, here's where I reveal my age and become a little bit of a curmudgeon, right? Oh. It, it, it's it's going to happen. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm all for <laughs> going to a Taylor Swift uh, concert movie and I am all for being a little wild for the first three or four maybe even five songs mm-hmm. but there has to be a point where you chill I- I'm good with everybody you know uh, you know singing along and, and doing all of that kind of stuff but the up and the dancing around and the throwing of popcorn and and all of that stuff that I've been seeing is I'm just like oh man that looks like these looks like those young kids are having too much fun um, and I, I just, I don't know that my patience would last the entire show. I know my, though my screening for my girls was pretty much subdued. They, you know, enjoyed it. Uh, there was some sing-alongs, but uh, nothing really that dramatic or anything right. like that. But yeah, that can happen. I'm sure, you know, obviously the social media is out there and everybody trying to repeat those kind of performances out on TikTok and right. Instagram and all that. So possibly as be the case, but I don't know how soon it will come to the home market, whether on streaming or a DVD slash Blu-ray, how soon it will come to there. Obviously, that's the next step. So people are wanting to go ahead and experiencing it now because, again, it is one of the most popular movies of the year and also probably one of the best concert films of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I I wasn't trying to to begrudge anybody the fun time and enjoying their favorite artist as they not, feel no, like they no. want to. I'm certainly not begrudging anybody that. Uh, I just don't know that knowing myself mm-hmm. is the right environment for me to place myself in. Um, I I can have um, a a short amount of patience sometimes, and if I have paid money to go and see something and there's just something too crazy, too goofy happening, and I can't pay attention to what is on the screen, then 
um, I might get a little grumpy about it. I would never say anything. I would never get in somebody's face. Please don't think that that's even what I'm talking about. I would just, it would be a rant in the whole car ride home. And um, poor Robbie would have to be the one to listen to it. He would probably take back my friendship bracelet too. That's what exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> don't comment from me. My gosh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Fair yeah, enough. No. Fair like enough. I said, I, Again, I don't begrudge anybody any of it. I I just don't think that that is the right environment for me to take my first step back into the movie theater. Okay, and I can yeah. I can understand it. I can understand it. Yeah. And you know, the thing is though, it comes in on a weekend. I think it should still dominate the box office. It should still earn quite a bit of money, expecting anywhere from 35 to 55 million dollars in the second weekend, which yeah. would be a great hold if it, it went on the higher end of that. But it's facing off against a movie uh yes between um what is it paramount universal and apple plus apple tv plus because eventually it's going to go on apple tv plus apple's fronting a lot of the money for this yeah for martin scorsese's latest movie killers of the flower moon which by all circumstances a lot of people are already enjoying reviewers are really high in this film it's one of the highest rated movies of the year it is three and a half hours long so because of that runtime, you're not going to get as many shows as far as out there. Who knows what the box office will be on that? They said the same thing about Oppenheimer, you know, at run runtime close to three hours. But look at it. It made over $900 million in its, in its run. Martin Scorsese's latest film has obviously Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, who's being talked about as a front runner for the Oscars as best actress, who's still, you know, according to all the reviews out there saying she's absolutely sensational in the movie. It's based off the Oklahoma murders in the Osage Nation during uh, the 1920s uh, because they found oil on tribal on the tribal land there. And, yeah, you know, it just it touches on very controversial subjects. And I think that it's still with the heavyweight cast, it's part of it. I really think Martin Scorsese, you know, coming off of a, uh, another recent hit that went straight to Netflix in, you know, The Irishman, I think that really is going to have another pretty good hit on his hands. How big? I'm not sure. It will probably not do as well as as expected because in in the box office. But my God, it's going to be a big boost when it finally hits Apple TV Plus. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I can imagine if there are people out there who have you know iPhones, iPads, iWatches, and don't have Apple TV, this movie might be enough to convince them to get it or to at least try it out and see how it mm. is. Um, I can definitely see Apple gaining some ground from this movie. But yeah, that runtime, three and a half hours. We don't even play Vampire the Masquerade for three and a half hours. <laughs> I know. know. That's going to, yeah, go ahead. You know, it's just like that's, that's going to be either a, an incredible sell for people or it's going to make people wonder about whether or not they want to do that in theater where getting up and going to the washroom, for example, uh, you know, really does disturb people in the theater. I, I don't know if people are considerate like that uh, when they plan out their movie going, but it's something that I would consider. Because it's really hard to gauge this movie, you know, similar to what the Irishman, the Irishman was only in a small amount of theaters just to you know become eligible for the Oscars but mainly it was shown on Netflix. And when you're spending 200 plus million dollars on a budget like then, and also like Killers of the Flower Moon, 
those movies aren't cheap. Martin Scorsese is no longer a cheap director. Let's just put it that way. So both of these movies are $200 million. And in the case of Netflix, I wonder how they gauged success for this movie as far as on a profit loss basis. Does it mean new subscribers or how many billions of hours watched, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know exactly if they, how they gauged it. I know they did and they dipped, uh, they, they went into getting another $200 million movie in the gray man with Chris Evans and, and Ryan Gosling. So they, at least they tried it one more time with a huge high end, large budgeted film. And they still have touched on it from time to time. In fact, the new Zack Snyder film, I'm sure that's, that, that's coming out of the way to Netflix. That it looks like it's going to cost a pretty penny as well. So it's something they'll, they'll go back to from time to time. And now that they're closing in on 250 million subscribers, you know, it's obviously something that they, they can go ahead and do a little bit more and more more often. When it comes to Apple TV+, Plus, you know they've got a ton of money from other sources. Apple TV+, Plus is something that they have still, I think, they, that they treat as a side gig. And in doing so, in doing this film, I'm not sure if it's ever going to recoup enough in the box office, per se, to make a profit for them. And But I'm not sure that's the whole deal here. I think they understand that the three and a half hour is going to be a, a drawback for some people that want to see the film or don't want to see the film in the theaters, and they'll just wait for Apple TV+. Plus. But what is the line of demarcation that they put that, okay, now it's going to be a film that was really a profit uh, a maker for us or really something that was a positive for us for spending over $200 million on this film. I'm just curious to see what they would determine would be a success for them for this movie. Sure. I'm sure that added subscribers uh, to Apple TV plus is going to be uh, a huge um, side effect causality. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a big part of how they gauge uh, the success of this movie. I think um, I just watched the trailer for it and it's another one of those movies that it just looks so incredibly beautiful that it's almost going to be a shame to not see it in the theaters. Yeah. I mean, it has the, the classic Scorsese kind of look to it, but it also just looks like a, a stunning visually represented film. When Martin Scorsese, his attention to detail He's obviously earned it over the many years that he's been directing, the many great films that he's directing, a laundry list of films that are just considered by many to be some of the greatest of all time, thus making him one of the greatest directors of all time. And, you know, almost as interesting as the movie itself is him being out in the forefront, continually being in the limelight, continually making his comments. Obviously, the superhero movies, any chance he gets, he wants to take pod shots at superhero movies. And I understand right now we're in a situation where the superhero movies are in decline. And I'm sure he, of anyone out there who's enjoying this part of the superhero genre, kind of sliding downhill, he is enjoying it the most. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, you know, we I think we had a good conversation about is the is the general public ready to go back to, you know, like an Oppenheimer film or, or you know, just more Scorsese-esque leaning films. And um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see how the public responds to it and, and what they do for it. I mean, if just from the trailer alone, the, this movie has Oscar contention written all over it. Uh, I know that you mentioned uh, the actress and, and things like that, but I just think that it's going to go beyond that. I, I think that there's going to be a slew of Oscar nominations that come out of it. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, 
Check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly the type of reception for it financially. I want to see mm-hmm. if it actually will have that kind of interest for will the three and a half hours scare off people? And I think it will. I think honestly it will. People will get scared off by the running time. So I'm expected to still not beat Taylor Swift's movie. Would that be a, a really, would that be a disappointment if the movie does not beat Taylor Swift's movie? I mean, this is a movie that's probably going to be highly considered to be one of the best films of the year and an Oscar contender for best picture up for several awards. You can pretty much bank on Lily Gladstone. You probably bank on Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio for their honorary Oscars that they're always given for roles like these. So do you think it'll be a disappointment if they don't beat Taylor Swift this weekend? Well, I I think that it will. um, I think it will upset Scorsese most of all. Um, I, I don't know that it's really going oh, he'll to let you know about that. Oh, a thousand percent. And I fully expect there to be some kind of wild statement that he makes that gets published everywhere and becomes the thing that we're talking about next. How Friday. can a work of art like this be lose out to, to oh, some uh, pop culture pop... trash? I mean, yes. that's yeah. Pop it... Concert movie. What's up with that? <laughs> it's not even a film. I, I know there's. Uh, maybe we're being hard on Arn Scorsese. Maybe he actually is a Swifty and will. Well, also... He is one of the greatest directors of all time, so he yeah. has the right to say that. And he'll let I, you know. Yeah, he certainly will. But uh, no, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think that if he, it doesn't take over uh, the top spot from Taylor Swift in its opening weekend, I think it will eventually. I think that the first wave of people who go to see it. Um, are, it's going to help spread word of mouth. And, uh, you know, then there's that website. I can't remember what it's called. The one where uh, it tells you at what point in the movies you can head out to the bathroom or go grab some oh, more snacks. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that website. I mean, once, once that kind of information starts to come out, maybe some of those barriers that we've been talking about and speculating about will kind of start to get knocked down. Um, but I do think that we're now probably into, uh, you know, Swifties going to see Taylor Swift's movie, you know, the fourth or fifth time. They're probably getting ready to maybe start to let it go a little bit. Um, so I think between or that. Maybe shake it off. Shake it yeah, off. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's just a. There's going to be a funny thing that happens. It's going to be like the Swifties getting tired of going to see the Taylor Swift movie. Uh, how dare I say that? I know I apologize. And then like positive word of mouth coming for the Scorsese film and somewhere in between those that's going to cross paths and uh, you're going to start to see the Scorsese movie take off. That's my theory. But you know, the problem with that huh? and the irony in that huh? is coming up in the not too distant future is the Marvels. Now the Marvels uh, it's tracking to be about 75, $85 million in its opening weekend. So what's the irony? Even though this film will no, do nowhere near what Captain Marvel did, it you know in its initial run, it will still most likely destroy <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon when it comes <sighs> out. And I like that's also as well. First, you know, Martin Scorsese. What would be the odds if Martin Scorsese Killers of the Flower Moon never hits number one and gets beaten each and every week by either a Taylor Swift's concert movie, Eras Tour, <laughs> or B, a superhero movie in the Marvels. What are the odds on that? 
Yeah, well, I'm sure that the odds are, are decent for it. And I mean, it, it could and just be. And what are the that... odds that he'll be really super pissed that. Oh, that uh, the odds of that, if A and B happen, the odds of C happening are exponential, of course. But I, I, I think that, you know, the, the question remains is are we all collectively, the general public, the general population of the globe, are we ready? To say it's time to, um, you know, let go of everything that happened during COVID, all of that loss, all of that pain that we all experienced from COVID. Are we ready to um, let go of the inflation rates and how hard it is to make ends meet and, and all of that awful stuff that's happening? Are we ready to forget about you know, the atrocities that are happening in the world right now, and then go see the Martin Scorsese film, or are we going to continue? Which to has use... more atrocities in it. Exactly. Or are we going to continue to find a little bit of escape in going to see a superhero movie or a pop star concert film? You know, I, I think that that's, that's a big question that I have, and it's going to be fascinating to watch that, I think. And on top of that, as you know, the, let's say it continues on the number of weeks. And of course, Killers of the Flower Moon is expected to have a, a long run through probably the end of the year. What would be the odds that it continues to go ahead and still get beaten by other movies? In fact, early November against the Marvels and then in December against Aquaman 2. Well, I mean, Aquaman 2 is going to be big for a weekend, I think. Okay. Yeah, but between just... you, between you and me, and this light right here, mm -hmm. it's one weekend. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Aquaman too. I mean, that's part. Of, we'll know if the DC and superhero genre burn both. Uh, you know, we talked about DC Universe and how mm -hmm. it seems like Dead Man Walking. Yeah. Uh, the you know the only thing that may survive it is Batman Two and the Joker Two. Those movies may actually because they're not really, and that yet they are, and they kind of are not part of the main dc universe that was there for the snyderverse yeah. so you know the fact that now we heard that james gunn head of dc says none of the characters that you will see in the main snyderverse are going to return back to the roles and jason <laughs> momoa would be turning uh, you know he'll get another uh, as far as he gets another part in the dc universe but he won't be aquaman after this so yeah it's just just all these movies would be so funny that if the, even the Dead Man Walking Aquaman two movie still beats Killers of the Flower Moon, that just that would just I don't know I don't find it justice I don't find it iron I just find it ironic in a way you know because Killers of the Flower Moon getting great reviews and I'm sure it's a fantastic movie and I will try to go ahead and make sure I see it but yeah it just seems like you make those comments and. You know, it just seems like Hollywood's going out of its way to try and throw stuff up against it to say, you know what? You said those things. Unfortunately, you're still going to have to eat it when the audience still chooses another direction. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm with you on that. I, You know what? I would love to be wrong. I would love for, uh, you know. Actual really good art. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, I, I would love that to be the case, but I I just not think saying that... Taylor Swift's movie isn't really good art because it is it's one of the highest rated uh, concert films of all time. But yeah, just right. you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I do. I I know I understand the point that you're trying to make, but I I just I don't know if we're ready um, to stop looking at entertainment as an escape and starting to look again through 
uh, that very specific Scorsese lens and, and look at, you know, horrific things being done and then leave the movie theater and hear about more horrific things being done. It just feels like right now times are still quite heavy as they have been for the last couple of years. I agree with you. So we'll yeah. see exactly how that works out and how that shapes up with Killers of the Flower Moon. That is actually going to be debuting this weekend. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone, all in performance, especially Lily Gladstone. I heard absolutely has done an amazing job in the film. So I am looking forward to seeing it. I don't know when I'm going to catch it, but I will try to catch it before year's end. So I'm looking forward to it. But let us know your thoughts on the possible irony of Killers of the Flower Moon being beaten at the box office by A, <laughs> Taylor Swift's Eras film for from her concert movie that's out there that's also playing this weekend in its second weekend. And B, it, when it finally comes out in early November, The Marvels. And possibly C, Aquaman <laughs> 2 as well. Please let us know your thoughts in the irony of all that what we're talking about. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we have the half hour break, I wanted to go ahead and alert people out there. The U2 concert at the Sphere, this nice, huge, cylindrical uh, just display that you can see from the outside, but inside the first performance ever inside the Sphere by U2, it went, you know, it just came off and just, you, know, you can see it actually online came out to tremendous reviews. If you want to see what the outside looks like, you can always check out the Pop Culture Cosmos or like Lakers Fast Break on YouTube. I got the video right there. But inside, the experience has been tremendous. Uh, you know, that's 70% of the seats, haptic feedback during the, during the concert, the displays inside, the visuals during the concert. Just absolutely rave reviews, bringing back to life, I think, this concert has done more for you two in a positive fashion than anything that they've done possibly this century. And that comes from a guy that, that is a really hardcore YouTube fan, but I've seen as far as the stuff that they've done in this century, it's not really resonated with an audience as large as what they once had. Then of course they had the Apple fiasco speaking yeah. of Apple, they had <laughs> yeah. the Apple fiasco uh, there. So this has really reinstated them, uh, you know, and this is going to be kicking off what, what will be when uh, they get all their members back and healthy, a world tour coming up probably sometime in 2024. But they just announced that they've not only expanded and extended dates into 2024, but really by, 11, by a lot, 11 more dates coming up for the residency in 2024. What does that say about the tremendous success so far for the sphere and the experience? And what can that say for individuals going forward that might want to play or perform inside the sphere there or the proposed one that will be coming out, which is supposed to be larger someday in London? I've been trying to think about what other artists or performers have like a, a visually complex show because I know that you two has always kind of had these wild stages and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And the first one that came to my mind and it made me so sad because we've we've lost him um was Meatloaf. Wouldn't yeah. Meatloaf have been an incredible experience inside I, the I sphere? Just that would have been tremendous voice. Absolutely yeah. tremendous voice. Plus his stage show was so theatrical. I mean, he was a theater major, so yes. of course, right? But anyway, um, so- Or the Beatles, but, the, all the Beatles together for a magical mystery tour. Yeah, there you go. 
I mean, they can all come out of hiding and stuff. All those conspiracy theories proven right. There you go. And, and just imagine, you know, <laughs> in a state and a city that sells marijuana very yeah. freely. I'm not condoning or condemning marijuana <laughs> right. use, by the way. I right. don't personally use it, but that's your choice. Wherever it's legal, of course. <laughs> and it is legal here in Las Vegas, but you can't uh -huh. smoke it. You cannot smoke inside the sphere. But just let's say that one time during the magical mystery tour, you know, that just just that one time. That'd be kind of a trip, wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be an all right night. Let's just say that. It, it, would, okay. it would lead to some pretty fun stories after. I mean, okay. you would tell those stories for a lifetime. So, All right. But no, still, even without the drugs. Yeah. Thank goodness. And like, again, we're not condoning any drug use of any kind whatsoever. <laughs> just telling you it's legalized in Nevada, but yeah. not in the sphere. The Magical Mystery Tour, if the, all the Beatles were still alive, that would be a tremendous experience there as far as the visuals are concerned. Yeah, it really would be. It'd be fantastic. I will say this, though, my friend, before we head to the break, with one last couple inter interjections here, but who else would you love to see in the sphere? Who Whoa. else do you think would really take, I mean, Taylor Swift, obviously, that would be, you know, everybody right now, she's has a tremendous performance, Beyonce, the, those are tremendous performers, you could see them there clearly, but who else do you think would really have something visual to give outside of their tremendous music? This may only appeal to a very niche amount of people, a very small amount of people who are, are listening right now. And please, if I'm wrong, let us know. Send us an email. But there's a band called Sleep Token. I think that they would do an incredible show inside the sphere. I think it would be very interesting. Um, I mean, they they refer to their shows as worship. So um, that's just, uh, I mean, it, anyway, it's interesting. You can go and look into sleep token if you want to, um, they, uh, take, uh, all genres and kind of blend them all together, put them through a blender. There's, you know, R and B influences. There's definitely, uh, like some hard rock kind of influences and stuff like that in their music. The, some of those stylized lyrics that they have are very, you know, poppy, but they have this, I don't know. It's just, it's a very interesting band. I think they would do very well at the sphere. But what are your thoughts out there on what band might work at the Sphere here in Las Vegas or hopefully a proposed one that they may still continue to build someday in London? If you've actually checked out the Sphere, if you haven't, check out not only the U2 concert online on YouTube to get an actual glimpse of it, but also the outside with us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Oh, here you are. Well, that was pretty good timing. You're here and we're here. He was just seminal to so many people. Authentic and kind. Teach you something and make you feel good. Something very soothing, something very calming. Fundamental in developing me into the human being that I am today. You ask anybody in Canada, they know who he is. It's hard to imagine anyone having had a bigger influence on my life. It's the award-winning documentary, Mr. Makeup, The Magic of Make-Believe, available now on Amazon Prime Video. Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. And before we get into some video game talk, I wanted to go ahead and ask you, update on Melinda time. What's going on in the world of Melinda when it comes to vampires and Vitae and anything you want to go ahead and update us on in the world of Melinda? 
Yeah. So starting this week, actually, we've had to change our uh, publication date for the podcast. So moving forward, uh, starting this week, Vampires and Vitae is going to drop on Saturdays instead of Friday mornings. Um, you know, we we have really wanted to make sure that it was there for your Friday commute to help you kind of kick off the weekend and, you know, kind of get you into RPG mode to get you hyped for your for your weekend games and stuff like that. But uh, with schedule changes and and new jobs and, and all of that kind of stuff, it, it just seems like it's getting harder and harder and harder for us to make that deadline. Um, so, uh, where we've pushed, uh, from Friday back to Saturday, just to give us a, a few, an extra few hours, uh, to go ahead and make sure that we have the episodes as polished as possible. Um, for Wizards and Wine, uh, the Shadows of Larkovnia, we are going to start publishing those episodes coming in January, like the very first Wednesday of January, you're going to get your first episode. It's already done. It's already edited. Um, I'm starting to play a little bit with soundscapes in the episodes. So you're going to hear, you know, like forest and horses and walking through leaves and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm trying, I'm experimenting with it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, hopefully everybody digs it. It's my first attempt at homebrew. So, so far my table is okay, but I'm only three games in so far. So you'll do fine. I hope so. You've had, you've been through so many of this before, as far as how stuff that you want to want played out, how you much enjoyed certain aspects when it's done well. And you've seen and told me, and I'm sure told Robbie (laughs) at times when it's not done so well. So yeah. I can, I just, I have faith. I have faith you'll do fine. And please, if you want to go ahead and check out what she's doing, please go ahead and check out Vampires and Vitae, Wizards and Wine, and whatever else is coming up down the road for her projects and her own tabletop RPG. She'll let you know right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But my friend, there's still more to talk about on today's program. I want to talk about Phil Spencer first, you know, coming off the afterglow of the Xbox acquisition of Activision Blizzard King. I always forget King, and we can't forget King because they're a major name with Candy Crush. If you play Candy Crush out there, it's now owned by Xbox and Microsoft. I wanted to go ahead and his, uh, let you know about his comments said on the, the official Xbox podcast earlier this week. You know, obviously he said that it's going to take a little bit of time. It's not going to be instantaneous throwing games on Xbox Games Pass uh, for Activision games yet, but that will happen at some point in time. We'll see what happens there. But the, obviously the, the main comments that ever got everybody was on Call of Duty and the fact that he still, to this day, now that he has Call of Duty under the wing, is still saying parity across all platforms, uh, no, uh, you know, one console has an advantage over the other and all that and i'm saying to myself you know you are still in third place phil i'm not asking you to go ahead and stop putting out call of duty on nintendo switch or the playstation platform but there may be ways it might be wiser to go ahead and try and entice people to go ahead and maybe lean towards your platform if they're interested in call of duty one of the ways, obviously, is Games Pass. If you put it right straight, straight on Games Pass, you're bypassing the $70 buy-in that you have to do on Nintendo or PlayStation. That's obviously the first thing. So we'll see what that happens. But not throwing any other little incentives or betas or anything else out there, making exclusive to Xbox, I'm not sure that's the wisest idea out there if you want to bring more people to your platform. 
Well, I, I, you know, as somebody who doesn't have an Xbox and I don't anticipate buying an Xbox, um, I'm very happy to hear it. <laughs> to be totally honest with you. Um, and, you know, maybe he's, I, no, I don't know. I don't want to put too much of my own uh, speculation in on this one, but I, because I'm very clearly biased, but I, I do think that um, it, it made me as a, as a PlayStation user happy to hear that. Um, perhaps eventually that is the conclusion that he will come to, that there should be little exclusives here and there. Um, the, the only thing would be for me was, is if you have, um, like, let's say a, a skin update for, um, Xbox, then maybe you have a different one for PlayStation and a different one for Nintendo. So everybody gets their own exclusive across the board, but all the money is still coming to you. So it's a win, win, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's how I would look at it. And that's true. And then obviously making the money volume wise, if they do go ahead and put it on Xbox Games Pass, whatever money that they don't make by selling it straight up on Xbox, they're looking to recoup by doing that on PlayStation and Nintendo and PC. And in order to go ahead and do that, you obviously have to go ahead and make things probably very enticing for those players to still play on those platforms. But again, I think still think it's in their best interest to go ahead and maybe try and sweeten the pot. But if you do put it on Games Pass, maybe that's enough to have the pot sweetened already. If you put it straight to Games Pass on day one, that could be the difference that, that, that brings people over to the Xbox platform. Yeah, it totally could be. I also uh, don't have a problem with like a, a week of early access uh, exclusive to Xbox and you've got to wait mm -hmm. that extra week on PlayStation or what uh, what have you, however you want to mix that up. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I don't mind that uh, personally, but... Um, you know, like, and I was thinking about it as we were waiting for um, our turn to finally log into Diablo during their uh, playtest weekend. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't have been upset. I might have been a little annoyed, perhaps, and then voiced my opinion a little louder than I normally perhaps. would have. Yeah, I probably would have been envious, but I don't, it wouldn't have made me go out to buy an Xbox if they had released it, you know, a week early on Xbox than on PlayStation, for example. Or put so, it on Games Pass, where it's only $15 a month. Uh, well, yeah. However you want to, however you want to cut that pie up. I, you know, it's it's still not going to make me go and buy an Xbox. But um, I, again, if if they do do like a a week advance release on on Xbox, that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. Again, I don't represent the hardcore gamer though, and I could be saying something, and somebody is throwing things at their speaker right now. Well. It has worked for them already once this year with Starfield. It has been a tremendous hit. And it was actually just released earlier this week, the news that they were the biggest game, even with all the Games Pass and the ability to go on Games Pass and not have to buy it outright. It still outsold everything else on any other platform during the month of September. So that tells you that you, you can go ahead and have an Xbox hit even without Games Pass. But obviously with the goal with Games Pass is to be able to have the subscriptions and the constant people buying in on a monthly basis. So it, it seems like in the case of Starfield, they've had their cake and eat it too. They, with, the, with Call of Duty, we could very well see the same thing happen again sometime next year when they pretty much will go ahead and incorporate some form or fashion, the Activision the King games, the Activision games, and the Blizzard games 
in some form or fashion onto Games Pass next year. We don't know in what fashion, but it, it's going to, you're probably going to see it integrated starting next year. Yeah, it's it's going to be, I have a feeling one of those things is just kind of kind of creep up on us and then it's just going to mm-hmm. drop and everybody's going to go, what? All at the same time. That's what I think. Well, That's they what I the, would do. Well, when they bought up Bethesda, they dropped it. And if I, that when that sale finally went through that day or like within a 24 hour span, they dropped off a number of Bethesda games right on the Xbox Games Pass platform. But then again, this was not a contested sale like the right. Activision sale was. That was only for a paltry $7 billion, you know, $7 billion, that's <laughs> yeah. all. As opposed, as opposed to the almost $70 billion for Activision. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, Elder Scrolls? I guess Call of Duty way up here. So I guess that's yeah. pretty much the value for that is. But when it comes to it, though, I really think that this is the time now that Xbox has no more excuses. There's no more excuses for them to go ahead and say, you know what, we don't have... Uh, any way we could go ahead and compete with these guys like they were trying to admit to in court and all that and we you know we're not producing out games first party games you know after the failure of redfall they've done better now with with a tremendous release of starfield followed up with a very highly rated force of motorsport there's just no more argument now for xbox to have they have to start in the rest of this whatever however long many years of this generation they have to go ahead and start making up for lost ground there are absolutely no more excuses going forward for xbox yeah i agree they've kind of taken all of their excuses off of the board at this point yeah Uh, Yeah. just again you've got call of duty you got activision you got all those old titles you could refurbish you got all those old titles you could pop on there for to be part of games pass you could go ahead now with Got all the Bethesda games. You could go ahead and deal, you know, that all these first party games that they're now supposedly going ahead and have now in the pipeline, they have to start coming out. And if they start coming out in a period where there's one every quarter, one big one every quarter for Xbox, that's what my expectations are supposed to be, to be honest with you. By no later than 2025, every quarter has to have one major xbox release going forward with all the different studios they have at their offering right now here's a question that may stump you and i apologize but i was just sitting here thinking i was like what what would be something that i'm might... not gonna take that hard of a question to stump <laughs> me, but go ahead. that is incorrect sir and you know it huh? i'm trying i've been trying to sit here and think about like if there was an ip that would have me going over to xbox and I have no idea who owns the Castlevania movie, or not movies, sorry, the Castlevania games. Do you happen to know that? Um, off the top of my head, I, I maybe Ubisoft, but I'm going to look at as far as the Castlevania series. Uh, I'll look that up right now, but it may be Ubisoft. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, oh, Konami. Konami, duh, Gerald. Konami <laughs> uh, is uh, is the one that, that owns it right now. So if they bought Konami, and brought it over but diablo the only reason why i say is you know because you said diablo you would not even go over even if diablo your beloved diablo would yeah be on that as an exclusive it just doesn't make sense though because your next purchase will then would be a playstation 5 at 500 dollars. but if let's say by that time diablo 4 goes on games pass you have an xbox series s that's substantially less price much more budget value and the access to it, and that still wouldn't bring you over there. That's that to me is still troubling as a 
person who <laughs> still respects you, even though you are a diehard PlayStation fan. I know it's it doesn't make sense. And you know what? She it will spend three hundred more dollars in yeah. order to go ahead and, yeah. and do that. And not play potentially not play one of my favorite games ever. I know it doesn't really make sense. And when I say it, I understand that the things that I am saying don't really make sense. Um, and uh, all I can say is Melinda in the future, um, I don't think is going to change her opinion all of that much from present Melinda. But, um, you know, there there may be a situation that we get into where something like Warhammer becomes an Xbox exclusive. Then I'm afraid I'm overruled. <laughs> exactly. Then, then your then your friendship bracelet comes walking in, and the guy attached to it, aka your husband Robbie yeah. Ross, will come in and say, "You know what, Melinda? Yeah. Guess we're going and buying an Xbox right there." Yeah. Um, that... They've had Warhammer uh, games on Xbox Games Pass, just to give you a heads up, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and apparently, there's a there's... Vermintide was on there. I think recently. I'm not oh, not 100 sure. Probably there's a new one coming. It's going to be on Steam. Um, yeah. So that could uh... be on PC Games Pass. You never know. Yeah. Who knows? That really is the only thing that I could foresee coming down the road. Um, that that might force my hand a little bit. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is that is in my head. I, I really don't. Maybe I should go see a therapist about it. What do you think? Is it that serious? If that therapist is Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> absolutely. So Phil Fair would say, enough. come on, have a seat right here. Yeah. Have a seat. Well, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk, yeah. Melinda. Let's go. Have, you know. I would happily have a chat with that man. Absolutely. As would I, my my friend. As would I. I. Heard he's very nice, very endearing. He answers things in a relatively honest fashion. I mean, as much as he can. Yeah. Can't just give away everything, but he read. He answers you straight up as best he can. So I heard he's very easy to deal with. I'd love to get a chance to interview him one day. Maybe we will right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But what are your thoughts out there on what we're talking about when it comes to the future of Xbox now? that they've purchased officially and acquired officially Activision, Blizzard, and King. Do you believe like we do that there are no more excuses for Xbox going forward? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, before we head on out, speaking of video games, a lot to talk about when it comes to the video game releases. And for parents out there, if you're not buying it now, you're going to be buying it here in a couple of weeks when the November rush happens. And, you know, it's starting Christmas gifts and things of that nature as Super Mario Brothers Wonder dropped this weekend on Nintendo Switch. Comes out with outstanding reviews. It currently has a 93 on Metacritic. I do also want to mention uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is currently a 91 on Metacritic. And the other 
game we're going to be talking about, Spider-Man 2, is a 91 so far on Metacritic. So we'll talk about that one in a sec. But Super Mario Brothers Wonder comes out this weekend. And I still think even though the people are in anticipation of getting whatever new Switch is coming out next year, it's interesting because you have this game, Super Mario Brothers. I'm I'm thinking that there's so much of a saturation with 100 million plus Switches out there. There is no reason why over the next six to eight weeks, this shouldn't be one of the top two or three best-selling games of the year. Yeah, I mean, everything about it just, uh, it it looks like the classics. It's the, you know, with the big side scroll and, and all of that mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, it's just dreamy. And, and I don't know why I don't own a Nintendo Switch. Honestly, so I, I you can't. don't seem to have the hatred for them that you do no, Xbox. I, yeah, I really don't, and and I'm I'm not sure. Like again, I I just can't pinpoint the moment that that maybe Phil started. Spencer should come over and should talk to you. That's what I mean. I I think that maybe we should sit down and we should have a conversation, and and maybe that will help me get over this. I don't I don't know. <laughs> okay. But he's actually been very friendly with Nintendo, so that's not that's not a problem. But when it comes to Nintendo, you know, it just they they're just underneath the radar while playstation they throw the vitriol at xbox and xbox is just trying to go ahead and say you know what we're just trying to do something right for change get on the right right direction like we once were way back when got the games pass which you know has a great value which you usually look in at probably best value in gaming etc etc and then you have nintendo which just under the radar just doing their thing let's throw zelda at you this year let's throw mario at you and there you go. That's usually yeah. does it 10 times out of 10. It's just so interesting that they just fly under the radar, but sell so well. And even on this, this platform, this Nintendo switch, which is now seven, six, seven years old, I think offhand, it's something that again, even though it's antiquated graphics in a lot of cases, just mortal Kombat one, we just had a, a situation where it was really really bad somehow nintendo is absolutely absolutely the best at its own platform in creating games that look so good even on an antiquated system like the switch yeah i really do think that it comes down to understanding exactly what your product is capable of and producing exactly um you know the the things that you need to make it work at its peak i I think that they're very good or they have been very good at figuring that out you can argue you can argue that third party makers third party creators have produced great games sometimes even better games on the playstation and the xbox than playstation or xbox you can't say that on nintendo yeah, no, it, it. I don't think that they would allow that to happen. To be honest, <laughs> I think you're that saying they're, they're a little bit pro, uh, proprietary. I'm not yes, saying they're a little are. bit proprietary. I'm well, just I'm saying, saying that they, you should say that they are really proprietary. I, I just that think that they definitely have some secrets that they keep to themselves about their own platform, and I just think that that's actually kind of smart. It is kind of smart. Uh, I agree with you on that. They've they've best. They're best suited as far as how to go ahead and create games for their own systems, which is the way it should be, because they should have the lead up on everybody else. And the fact is, as we've seen, you know, they just have to go ahead and put out a Zelda. They just have to go ahead and put out a Mario. And actually, this is the first of two Mario games that are coming out. There's Super Mario RPG, I think, also Maker. uh, Super Mario RPG Maker, I believe, also coming out. But yeah, just an amazing job by Nintendo once again. It's just truly 
really striking to see how good, how crisp, how sharp the colors look, how crisp the animation is just continuously on a platform again that is when you look at it so antiquated and you know i just don't know what how they do so many things right and then anybody else i.e what we saw from never realm and mortal Kombat, do so many things wrong on the same platform yeah i have that's uh that's a whole lot to to you know with the with how do i want to put this because I don't want to sound like I'm selling Nintendo short because I'm certainly not. But I think that perhaps understanding the limitations of the platform and being able to operate so perfectly well within the limitations of that platform, I, I think that that could be a little piece of the secret sauce. Instead of somebody just kind of throwing paint at a wall and hoping that something looks the way that it's supposed to when it hits the wall. Absolutely. The wall being the platform. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But yes, outstanding thoughts right there from Melinda. And I'll tell you what, though, if you are interested and you still have the Switch floating around somewhere, you might need to pick up Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It is getting outstanding reviews and it looks absolutely stunning as far as for the Nintendo Switch. It, it really, if you have a Nintendo Switch and you enjoy Mario games at all, please go ahead and check out Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Please let us know your thoughts as well once you do play it. Or if it's something you're interested in, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But there's another big game, exclusive first-party game, that's coming this weekend, and that is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 5. We're seeing the heavy hitters. We saw Forza Motorsport a couple weeks ago come out exclusively for the Xbox. We saw Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and now Spider-Man 2 coming out for the PlayStation 5. Your thoughts on this? The reviews are still very strong. Like I said, 91 on Metacritic. In most circles, it's either pretty close to or at the same kind of thought process as far as love and affection as the original Spider-Man that came out earlier this decade on PlayStation 5. Your thoughts on Insomniac Spider-Man 2 and just how far they can take the Spider-Man genre on the PlayStation well, I mean, I think that they can take the the Spider-Man genre as far as they can take any kind of storyline. Um, I, you know, it's it's unlimited stories that you can tell with that character. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I think that that's fantastic. I, I'm thrilled to hear that, uh, you know, the the sequel or the second game, I guess, is getting the same kind of hype and and uh, adoration as the, the first one did. I'm always happy to hear about that because, you know, if you're going to write a part two to a movie, you want it to be as good, at least as the first. And we see that fail so often. So uh, when you switch over to video games, I think that expectation is even a bit higher. So um, for it to still be getting those kind of reviews and, and things like that, uh, I think is can only be positive. And it's only going to do uh, wonderful things and for the people who really enjoy playing those kinds of games. Well, I'll tell you what, though, PlayStation 5 is really going to benefit from this, I think. Uh, and obviously, it was still one of the sales leaders, if not the biggest seller of all, which still amazes me that even at its price point and even with the newer, slimmer, smaller consoles coming along the way, they don't look much smaller or slimmer, but they said 30% smaller, you know, and more expensive for the digital version. So less value. But still, 
outselling everybody else. So, which again, to me is just quite striking and quite remarkable. But you know what? Again, with a game like Spider-Man Two, it's going to be worth it for a lot of people out there. Yeah, Christmas. I yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of that uh, under the Christmas tree this year, I think. Absolutely, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Spider-Man Two? Do you think this would be the big hit? that drives the PlayStation 5 through the holiday season. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. You killed it, as always. You had the dogs there rooting by you right there, just absolutely (laughs) rooting you on. But before we head on out, my friend, one last note, because the SAG strike is still going on. uh, I guess even George Clooney came in with some type of offer, tried to go ahead and you know, get everything settled between the parties involved. And unfortunately that kind of backfired. And now the sides are seemingly more part than ever, not because he did anything per se, but just because he was trying, didn't work. Uh, I guess the movie studios came back with an offer and it just really is just going in the wrong direction as opposed to getting closer in, in the right direction. But I ask you, my friend, the recent comments that were made for SAG-AFTRA in regards to where they stand it shows that they can't even show the, the Halloween spirit because if you're a SAG after a actor or actress, you cannot wear any movie or television or entertainment industry related costumes this year. So no Barbie, not even Barbie, because you got to consider Barbie, of course, you know, the biggest movie of the year, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. How much of a buzzkill is that? I mean, you know what would be interesting? To see a whole bunch of celebrities dressing up as each other. See George Clooney go out as Brad Pitt, for example. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. I, I would get some lulls out of that. Would, they, would he be able to do that, though? Because he wouldn't be able know. to dress up as, like, Brad Pitt from Fight Club. No, he, he would can't. just have to be, like, That's Brad from a Pitt. movie. I know. That's what I mean. So he would just have to be, like at home brad pitt wearing his slippers and his sweatpants <laughs> you know right yeah but i don't know if people will get it i mean they post that on on social media people are like yeah. okay i'm All trying right. to think go as orville redenbacher yeah that's i guess not you really, could do that. not really yeah, entertainment but, right but that's kind of that's that kind of dated so how many people would actually get that Unless, yeah. you're, unless you're carrying a popcorn machine around you well right i now. mean you just gotta have your box of popcorn yeah, be that's right. true, I guess. You know. Yeah, but he's, he's you um, know, he's You could go as a hamburger or a hot dog. I mean, it's not completely off the plate. It's just you got to think a little bit further outside of the box. I mean, I saw and I thought it was ridiculous, but I mean, such a thing as a sexy pizza costume exists. So you could do I, that. I know about the sexy part. I know when I used to run the, the <laughs> Halloween stores that we did sell pizza costumes and yeah. hamburger costumes and hot dog costumes. So I guess yeah. I guess there'll be a big run on those. Uh, I know that Josh and I uh, actually covered the hot selling Halloween costumes this year. And most of them are shock upon all shocks, entertainment based. Of course, course. leading the way is Barbie. So, but my gosh, even the Halloween spirit gets killed because of what's going on between the strike between SAG and the movie studios right now. Yeah, well, I, I do. I think that there are ways to skirt that. They just have to be a little bit more creative and perhaps be willing to make a bit of a fool of themselves for a change. Ha <laughs> ha. Maybe they On should purpose. go Empire Vitae. Hey, there you go. I would love to see somebody dressed up as Anna from season one. That would be incredible. 
really truly disappointing to see what's going on right now because of the SAG after strike. And it's my sincerest hope that we get it solved real soon, Melinda. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm I'm ready to get back to, you know, some good TV and some good great movies and hear about wild projects and see celebrities out there behaving badly. I miss that stuff. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. We thank you so much for watching and listening. It's another beautiful day right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great